Hi there, we really hope you enjoy this teaching from the Message Trust. To find out more about all the exciting things we're doing, check out our website, message.org.uk. Um, I haven't sung that song for years until yesterday morning. We sang it in church yesterday morning. It wasn't any coincidence because I asked Jamie to uh, lead that for us today because um, it kind of fits in, I think, beautifully with what the Lord might have to say to us from Isaiah 43. If you've got a Bible, we're going to look at this morning. Um, that song was written by a guy called Kevin Prosh, who wrote some of the most amazing worship songs that are still sung all around the world. And um, But Kevin Prosh... 1999, it all came out that he was uh, committed adultery in the most terrible way, and his ministry completely fell apart. He sold all his instruments and uh, just basically gave up. And uh, yet, he has been restored. He's our worship leader at a church in the States. But interestingly, Kevin Prosh's background is a background of, of abuse and neglect and lack of love as a child. So often, people who are uh, have been brought up in that environment, go completely loopy. Myself and Michelle were listed to the guy who wrote The Shack, you know, William Paul Jones, an incredible communicator, an amazing writer. The Shack is this utter phenomenon of a book that you probably need to read. It's amazing. But again, sexually abused as a child, a missionary kid, and then went mental as an adult. And he's, uh, 11 years it took him to recover after his adultery and infidelity. And he told the, the horrific story in the most graphic way and, and frightening way, but challenging way. But the reason being that if there is a deep lack of love in people's lives or their experience uh, where they sh- of, the, of the father's love particularly, where they should have been experienced this love, and it's not dealt with, it'll come out in later life. Even if you're a, an amazing church leader or a worship leader, it'll come out, it needs dealing with. And the way to deal with it is in the presence of the Lord and in the family of God and in his word. Um, 35 years ago, I fell in love with this woman here. And uh, before many of you were born... And uh, I was just 19, and uh, and uh, we fell head over heels in love. Well, I certainly did. I think she did too. Uh, and in fact, I know she did, because at home we have this embarrassing thing called the Wappy Box. <laughs> I know it's wrong. And it's all, because it, this is before emails and texts, so I would go away for a few weeks working in High Wycombe, and every day we'd write these letters to each other, and we'd send cards and all this gushy stuff, you know. And we saved them all, and it's a box overflowing with wappiness. And uh, we could always look back on it and read these things that we uh, we thought about each other, and, and uh, we still think about each other 35 years later, uh, which is kind of nice, isn't it? Well, we, we're going to look into the Lord's wappy box this morning. Uh, the Lord's love letter to us from Isaiah 43. And as I read these first five verses, remember that all this love and all this compassion and all this tem- tenderness towards Israel and Jacob is ours and more in Christ. Um, we've been grafted into God's family and this is how God feels about us. So let me just read these verses. Now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I've redeemed you. I've summoned you. You're mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. 
And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burnt. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. I give Egypt for your ransom and Cus and Seba in your stead, since you are precious and honored in my sight and because I love you. Can't you feel God's great love in those verses? The Lord says, fear not. And uh, you've heard me say, and I guess you've heard others say, there are 366 fear nots in the Bible. There's one for every day of the year. We're not even allowed to fear in a leap year. There's 366 times the Lord says, fear not or do not be afraid. Why? Because of God's great love. How, when ISIS are coming out after you to behead you, how can the Lord say, fear not? The answer is because you're mine. Because I love you. Because the future's bright. And in Luke chapter 21, Jesus says, a sign of the end of end times. And we must keep our eyes, one eye on the world, one eye on the word. A sign of the end times is that men's hearts will fail them for fear. And we live in the, the age of heart disease. One in three people have heart disease. Almost half of all de- deaths are attributed to heart disease. And most of it isn't just being fat and smoking too much and eating greasy food. It's fear. It's stress. It's pressure. It's this society we live in that destroys people and destroys their hearts for fear. But the Lord says to his people, do not fear. Not once, 366 times. Whatever's thrown at you, even when you go through the fire, like in Iraq, do not fear, for I'm with you. An amazing thing if we could truly rest in that and enjoy it. Why? For I've redeemed you. You're precious and honoured in my sight. And that's when the Lord looks around this room, all of us in all our different places. And every person is redeemed. He, he says, you're precious. Not just precious, you're honoured in my sight. And uh, Andre did this absolutely blistering little uh, share on Friday morning about the pearl of great price. And I've been thinking about it all weekend. And you know the the, the, the pearl of great price in Matthew 13, where just one of Jesus' examples of the kingdom, he says again, the kingdom is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. And I've always thought, and I guess you've always thought, if you know that little parable, that the, the, the pearl of great price is the kingdom. It's the it's the gospel. It's worth sacrificing everything for. It, it makes total sense to give up everything for what we gain in terms of eternal life. We're in co-heirs with Christ. We come into when, when we receive Jesus. We should forsake all to get the pearl of price. That would be a very, very good deal. But Andre said, and he's right, the more I've thought about it, it's absolutely fair enough to also think about that parable as Jesus looks at you. Jesus is the merchant. He looks at you as the pearl of great price. And he says, you are precious and you are honoured in my sight. So I'm prepared to bankrupt heaven. I'm prepared to even sacrifice my own life so that I can have you, pearl of great price. How about that for a lovely thought? How about that for an amazing love of God towards us? That we are the pearl of great price. 
And doesn't it, doesn't it give a, shed new light on our evangelism? As we go out now, digging out those pearls. There's another one for you, Jesus. You thought it was worth dying on the cross for just one of those pearls. God, could we present you with hundreds of thousands? One after another, there's another. You thought one pearl, one person, one little scally in school or one offender in prison or one kid on an estate. They're worth it. Jesus says it's worth selling everything, bankrupting everything, just so that I can have one pearl. Why? Because God loves people. He must have a people. And everything we do is digging out pearls. And it's worth us sacrificing everything so that we can present Jesus with pearls of great price. Because he loves people. God is crazy about people. You're precious. You're honoured in my sight because I love you. And your greatest need today and my greatest need is to know that I'm loved. Everything good in life will flow from us knowing that we're truly loved. Being centred and settled and agreeing with God in that and accepting that. And suddenly prayer isn't a religious duty. It's not something we do, oh, I've got to go to the prayer room again because it's Tuesday and I've got to spend half an hour because I lead this thing and I want to be a good example. No, that's not. It, it, it's the love language, isn't it? It's, I'm in love with God and he's in love with me and why would I not want to spend time? I remember wading through thigh-high snow from Cheadlehume to Bramall to see my beloved. And the deepest snow I've seen in my life fell. And I was due to, you know, have a date with Michelle. And didn't have a car. This is before cars. Had cars been invented back then? I don't know. But, but I remember wading through the snow like this. I will see my woman. And it's worth it because I'm in love. And when we got there, you know, we didn't say, um, Oh, you are my beloved and... Uh, I am yours. Let's shake hands on this. You know, we greet each other with love and passion. And God wants your prayer life to be not religious duty, but a love language. So you feel his love. You experience his love as you spend time with him, as you carve out time with him. Even sometimes when maybe you don't feel like it so much. You've been doing it a while. You do it because it's the right thing to do. But as you start to tell him you love him, almost as a discipline, Suddenly you realise, man, I love God. As you start to sing his praises. Oh, I love my God. He's great sacrifice for me. Look at Jesus, how awesome he is. But then you feel his great love for you. And he starts to tell you how much he loves you. And the Bible is not a religious tome that we lead alongside other books. It's God's love letter. Primarily, this is a love letter from God to you. If you don't feel loved, truly, you don't understand love, it affects everything. And it almost certainly means you're not spending time telling God how much you love him and receiving his great love for you. You're not spending time reading his love letter. We're going to sing that song again in a minute. His banner over us is love. Just look at our lives. We can feel the love of God in this place. And there's something about gathering as well. That's really important if we're going to truly know the love of the Father. There's something about the love of God in this place. If we get isolated and disconnected from the body of Christ, 
We don't experience the love of God the same. We need to gather with people who are crazy about Jesus and love him together and celebrate and spur one another on to greater acts of love and greater shouts of praise. The prime cause, I read this about children, um, the prime cause of anger and misbehavior in children is an empty love tank. And lots of people have an empty love tank. Lots of Christians, actually, have an empty love tank. And the prime cause of their anger and misbehavior is an empty love tank. And you know how you fill your love tank up? How you fill it up as a child? How you fill it up as a, a, a Christian? Is quality time. Children who have quality time with their parents one-on-one. You know, quality time. The love tank's filled up. But if they're just... Get in, sit them in front of their iPad or CBeebies and they never have any quality time together. Suddenly they start to feel they're not loved. Words of affirmation are really, really important to children. Children need to hear they're loved. I heard about an Anglican minister who's in his 30s at New Wine. And until he was over 30, he'd never been called by his first name by his dad. His dad called him stupid number five. Because he was the fifth child and he was an unwanted child. So all the way through growing up, that's how he was defined. What does that do to you if you think you're stupid number five? But if you truly think you're loved and you know you're loved, suddenly your life starts to come in order. So we need quality time. We need words of affirmation. We need gifts in addition to, not instead of time. I mean, I, I, I know some people who, who don't give the kids any time at all, but then they buy them 60 presents at Christmas. They bankrupt, you know, they go to the Wonga loan company just to try and build, make up for all the lack of quality time and lack of words of affirmation they've been poured. But in addition to, gifts are a sure sign that you're loved and will fill up your love tank. And God will give you gifts if you spend time with him, if you seek him. The primary thing is loving God, not for the gifts, just loving the giver. But once you love the giver, guess what? He starts to give you gifts. Our wappy box is full of these cheesy little gifts. And God has so much in his gift box to pour into your life. If you'll spend quality time with him, if you bring your words of affirmation to God, oh God, I appreciate you. And the fourth thing, fourth key thing that children need and every Christian needs is to know, to know that they'll be taken care of and the needs will be met when they truly need something from the Father. And that's us. That's us people. We're, we're people who can know, can rest in his great love and know that our God will meet our needs Not all our wants, not all all our desires, but all our needs will be met in Christ as we rest in him. What a place to be at with your your love tank full. And uh, people whose love tank are full don't do mental things. Don't do crazy things that destroy their lives and destroy so many other people's lives. It doesn't happen. So whatever you do, Don't neglect that time with God. Make it a priority. Whatever you do, don't get disconnected from the body of Christ. Don't come in here and be on the edges. Not physically, but 
spiritually. Always somebody who's hanging around the periphery, jumping with both feet. Get into the Bible on your own. Spend time loving God and receiving his love. Receive his gifts and bring your needs to him on the back of all that. And your love tank will be full. And when your love tank's full, guess what you have to do? Well, there is a third page of notes that I've left on my desk, so I'm going to busk it from now on. But anyway, it'll be fine. Um, I love this verse, right? Um, John, vine and the branches. As the Father has loved me, so I've loved you. Now remain in my love. I had this revelation, fresh revelation. Of course, I know this in my knower, but maybe not in my heart. And I think something happened at New Wine where I suddenly got a revelation that God loves me as much as he loves Jesus. God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. I pray, Jesus says in his prayer, I pray that they'll know your love, the same love as the Father sent to Jesus is over you as a born again forgiven person the father loves you the same way he loves jesus i mean can you accept that can you even believe that scumbag like me but it's true it's absolutely amazing he used to sing this this song when he looks at me he doesn't see what i used to be but he sees jesus i tell you if you especially if you've been involved in some bad stuff or you've had some bad stuff done to you to know that when he looks at me he doesn't see what i used to be he sees jesus and Jesus said in this famous, um, famous message about the vine and the branches, he said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If a man remains in me and in my love, he will bear much fruit. Because inevitably, Isaiah 43 doesn't just finish with the, Isaiah 43, 1 to 7, doesn't finish with the uh, love letter in the whappy box. There's always this desire that you would then share that with other people. Because God's heart is not just that you experience this great love, not for one pearl of great price, but heaven populated with multiple millions. God will have a people. He's a God who's in pursuit of his lover. And he goes on to say, look, I, he says, do not be afraid. A second fear not in this little passage, for I'm with you. I'll bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I'll say to the north, Give them up, and to the south do not hold them back. Bring my sons and daughters from afar, and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who's called by my name, who I created for my glory, who I formed and made. Can't you hear the missionary heart of God? On the back of this great, you're loved, you're precious, you're honoured. I love you like I love my own son. You're co-heirs, you're a pearl of great price. You're worth sacrificing everything for so that I can shower my love on you. And as a result of that, you've got to go out doing great adventures on my behalf. You've, I will have sons and daughters and you're the people who are going to go and get them. Go and get them from afar. Go on, go and find them. Go and find my sons and daughters. Bring them in. This is to my great glory. Don't you want to be those kind of people? Let's stand together. Maybe have the band back. I'd love to just sing that song again. Maybe we can sing it with some fresh energy and fresh fire. The banner over us is love. And, and we were, I was studying church and um, one of our, yesterday, one of our apprentices said, what's that all about, Andy? And I, I like this when people are hungry for God's word in the song. This guy said, 
What's that all about? You brought me to your banqueting table. What's that mean? And I said, mate, it's God who has so much for you. Lays before you like a great feast because he loves you. And uh, sharing this great meal together. Feed this great meal in this love relationship. And we can feast together on that. Oh, yeah, that's good. You brought me to your banqueting table. You know, and we need this fresh revelation, don't we, of the love of God. So come on, let's sing it. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check out message.org.uk to find out how you can support or even get involved with one of our teams. 